Lady Susan here from Thunder on the Plains, and I am so privileged to be able to sit down here at the Greeley Irish Festival with a, uh, a legend of the Irish music scene in Ireland and around the world, uh, members of the Dublin City Ramblers, Sean McGuinness, and Roy, I didn't catch your last name, we'll have you introduce yourself shortly. Um, Sean, it has been... 50 years, this is your 50th tour, 50th anniversary tour, is that correct? Yes, it was, we're celebrating our 50th, and uh, because of the, the COVID, we call it our 50th interrupted, but it is our 50th tour. Um, we formed the Ramblers in 1970, and uh, still going strong. And we have a double album, uh, double CD out now, 50 years, 50 songs. And um, it's going great back home and everything, you know, a lot of people like it here today, so uh, we're tr still traveling the world, they haven't found us out yet, you know. <laughs> We're still, uh, st still going, you know. <laughs> and Roy Buckley over here uh, certainly doesn't look 50 at this point. And when did you pick him up along the road? Well, I picked him up and I, I, bought, I bought him a load of anti-Asian tablets and, and they're working. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually 85, but it, the tab tablets work really well. So look at him now. Oh, magical. I'm actually Benjamin Button's brother. Yeah. <laughs> Roy, why don't I have you introduce yourself and tell how you came into uh, joining with the Ramblers on this tour. Oh, on this tour, well, Sean uh, called me up one of the days and said, um, was I available to do some of the US trips with him? And yeah. we came to do the Iowa Irish Fest and this Greedy Fest, and we were in Virginia and uh, where's where we? Uh, we were in a few other places as well. And we have more shows coming up, I think, um, because COVID had put a stop to um, some festivals and, and you know things were cancelled and then the visas there was such a backlog after Covid some of our, our gigs had to be stopped some had to uh, be rescheduled and it resulted in, in this tour being kind of broken a bit but Sean is such a pro he wanted to honour the festivals that were in so we came and we did Iowa we did Greeley and it looks like we'll be heading for Chicago and New York yeah, and Boston yeah. and yeah, the, um, we were just worried about this because uh, you know we, as Roy said we'd like to honour our promises you know and um, you had to cancel it because they, no, we were cancelling, we had to cancel it as well the next year. And it was a mutual thing, but the, the guys here are great in Greeley and like Iowa and that, you know, they had already paid deposits and all this sort of stuff. So they said, don't worry, we'll do it at some stage, even if it's 10 years down the road, you know. <laughs> so um, we were delighted to get it done, you know. Right. And a great friend now, Frank Fance, in uh, the Dublin, happened to be in Ireland. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I saw him in the audience. We were down in Killarney, and he just said, "Well, don't you come out and finish off the tour? You're only two and a half hours away from us, and do the Dubliner on a Sunday." Yeah. And now today, actually, amount of people I said, "Is there anybody here?" Mom hand, loads of hands. So they're all coming tomorrow. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. I talked with Frank the other day, and yeah. he was saying, "Hey, can you give the shout out that they're going to be back in Omaha?" I said, "Yeah, I can give that shout good. out online." Thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's crazy. He's a great guy. Great guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you had mentioned how COVID really messed things up, especially, yeah. you know, shut everything down 2020 and then the 2021 visa issues, you know, caused a oh, big yeah. hassle. Yeah. In what other ways, um, maybe some surprising ways, was the music scene, at least for you specifically, was that impacted the whole, the ripple effect of the yeah, COVID yeah. pandemic? Well, the fact that, we, that the, the COVID hit, um, we start, Roy is great with the technical stuff, like, you know, seriously, all these live streams and stuff, I, I'm still having trouble with remote, remote control for the television, yeah? <laughs> and he's just showed me what to do. I said, I'd like to do a stream, because I'm at home on my own, I just said, I'd love to do a little stream. I intended doing kind of, you know, one a week or two a week. I ended up doing seven nights a week for two years. Oh, wow. From, at home, just from my kitchen. And uh, the first one I did, actually, 
Um, my sister, my sister, and all rang me. It was an hour each. Uh, live stream is an hour. Uh-huh. And the first one I uh, did the hour, and uh, my sister-in-law rang me. She said, "You're not doing your live stream." And I said, "Yeah, I just did an hour, but you're rehearsing because you did it on your own." I had the phone turned the way away from me, and I have no idea. I didn't, didn't realize it wasn't <laughs> oh, recording. No. Oh, no. <laughs> so ever since that, grand, so Roy fixed me up with that. So. It's his second rehearsal since 1964. 1964. <laughs> oh. So Roy does his own live stream. Yeah, fantastic. How it yeah. impacted? Well. There was, of course, the, the negative is our we were out of work and people couldn't travel. Everything, entertainment, no matter what it was, was stopped. You couldn't go to the cinema or theatre or a pub or anything. So uh, I thought uh, the unsung heroes, especially in the initial part of the pandemic, were the entertainers because they all went online and started trying to entertain people when there was nothing around. And because people were hitting slumps, you know, mental health was being spoken about all the time on TV oh, yeah. and radio, and it was important to try and keep people out of that. So I was doing a live stream as well. I was calling it the Roy Buckley's Virtual Irish Pub. I was doing it, and my, my friend had... Um, Note the title, Virtual Irish Pub, VIP. Yeah, so the, the, so, so the followers became the VIPs, you know, the Virtual Aww. Irish Pub. And it was great, and I was doing it, and my friend Bernard Sheehan had, had a, a bar at the back of his house, so he would uh, give me a hand with it. He would write the who's in from around the world and take requests, and, and that was it, you know? We did it, I did Wednesdays and Saturdays for yeah. two years as well. And then um, the positives were, I mean, I, I, I had some songs, here's the thing. My plan was to do the US tour um, in 2020, come home, do, I, I run these events called Song Collector Sessions. We had a big one of them planned which of course we couldn't do and I had I had a few new singles ready to go as well so the only thing I could do of the three of those was still release the music and I did and you know all the followers online and people we, we were the only we could build it online on those shows and speak about it and do a countdown and we did virtual launches where we had guests like Phil Coulter and the High Kings and people would come on screen and talk and it was great. Like so, there was a lot of positives. If if you thought about it, or found found a way to do it, like Sean was saying, by by just connecting with people as well, and it resulted in five singles going out and hitting number one a few times. And, oh wow! And, and getting put forward for the Grammys and things. So it was, it was it was a lot of positive things too. You know. Yeah, so. that's amazing. Congratulations. That's really surprising to to hear such a huge sort of. Uh, reward from putting out all that music because you also hear a lot of folks really frustrated at the lack of income because even though they're they're putting on those <laughs> virtual shows yeah. you know there's not a whole lot going into the coffers you know from yeah, people yeah. watching yeah, so yeah. was that a struggle for you guys as well it was, well it was because um but my thing about it was uh the, everything shut down and you're only allowed kind of two and a half or five kilometers away from your house right, you, couldn't right. you know, couldn't go outside five kilometres so you, were, you weren't going to get it, get it anywhere anyway you know and I always felt sorry for um, people kind of who were living in apartments that hadn't got back, back or front gardens and so what were they going to do you know and, but a lot of people uh, had set, kind of their own mini session you couldn't even invite people into your house for a session so the live stream became a great outlet it was like and a meeting place it was you know, yeah, for a yeah. lot of people and I, you know? I kicked on I just saw as Royal tell you I said, geez, I remember that guy from Newfoundland, from Germany, from France, from thing, and they were coming on and saying, great to see you again, how are you doing, do you, do you fancy coming over for a bit of a tour in Australia maybe? And we hadn't seen these people in years, but they weren't sure because of the way everything was going, but mm-hmm. we, we were, a lot of the bands, like, have got, you know, that bit older, but 
we'll go through we drop because I love the music mm -hmm. some lads just get to an age and they stop but I'd never stop unless I had to <laughs> and he kept saying is any chance you'd come to Australia again it's absolutely America Newfoundland the France moon. Germany <laughs> the they asked me to go to Mars I thought that was a pub it's up, up there <laughs> but yeah so we got great contacts over and it, I saw a, a great uh, refreshment in it Everything opening up again. It was like starting all over again. You know, it really it was like when, when the crowd was up. Wasn't there like there was really? like a new appreciation, new found love for oh, yeah. live events. Oh. People were coming out and it was like a new appreciation for it. And I think that that has sustained as well since people are kind of, um, you know, they're enjoying the stuff. What I learned as well from the live streams, um, like if you, if you watch Sean's or mine, um, we love talking about the songs and. Mm -hmm. I suppose uh, when it's your, on your own time on, on a live stream, like um, you can dive into stuff a bit more, you know. And, yeah. And people will come up to you afterwards, like when when you're back gigging, and say to you, um, "I didn't know that song was about that." Only I heard Sean said, or you said, or oh. whatever. And mm -hmm. songs that they grew up with. See, in Ireland, the culture is so rich that people hear these songs and sing them, but they don't even know what they're about sometimes because right. their grandfather sung it, or their mother, or, or whoever, you know. So. In a lot of ways, we were able to go down rabbit holes on songs that were written for the Ramblers or written for whoever, our guys that I worked with or toured with. And um, it was, I suppose, it was an educational site with too. Without, yeah, uh, it was. A lot, of people, a lot of people just sing a song. They get up, bang, mm -hmm. bang. They don't explain the songs. And Irish music is all about finding out where it comes from. And the yep. storytelling Because a lot of people, yeah. you know, visit, visit Ireland, so they're in a place and... They may have heard, oh, I heard a song about Kermain and Jail, say. Right. And they might say, I heard a song about this place, I wonder what's the history. So we we try to tell the history with the song, yeah. you know. you know, Like on festivals like this, I mean, you're just doing an hour, so it's... Yeah, you, you, know, you, really you can't label it everything. But you can right. give a, a short history of yeah. what it's right. you know, yeah. And, and I found that a lot of times concerts, uh, you get those really intimate concerts, oh, and yeah, that's when you can sit and tell the story. And sometimes Absolutely. the introduction of the song is longer than yeah. the song yeah. itself, but yeah, you en sure. you enjoy that three minutes when you've had an, a nine-minute introduction yeah. all the more. Yeah, so, you do, yeah. because you're learning something all the time, right. you know. As I say, every day is a school day, you know. And I'm even learning something about songs. Somebody might say, did you ever sing this song? And I said, no, I never really tried it. And before I sing it, I go and read the bill and see what it's about. Yeah, you're yeah. always learning. Like, I mean, for example, if you, if you take a song, especially um, a song by, we say somebody like Pete St. John, he's a good common denominator for the two of us because the Ramblers were the first, Sean and Patsy Watcher and all the gangs and the Ramblers were the first to record songs like Dublin, The Rare Old Times and The Ferryman. And I was the last to work with a, on, with a song uh, for, of Pete's before he passed away, um, called Tara Tansy. But Pete's songs are deep. And like they might sound uh, simple and catchy oh, and everything, no, but Pete, Pete's songs, like each line sometimes, like we said a Mero, for example. Yeah, yeah. But I can't even go into that now because this interview will go on forever. But <laughs> like each line in that song takes a minute or two, well, you know, 30 seconds mm -hmm. anyway, to explain what that's about, what that place is, who he is and, and whatever. And that's the beauty of Pete's songwriting. His songs have a lot in Packed. them. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. But you can't do that on a festival stage because you'll end up singing three songs for the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know? But uh, even, even the Dublin and the Rare Old Times, he wrote that for us. We got our first goal out in front. Every band around the world sings it. Uh -huh. and of course, you get here some, you know, especially abroad, you know. You know just, here, here's a song. Yeah. Here's a song that's written for us, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and, and it no, was and it was like yeah. I'm sure like two of the bands I think yeah, I've heard play it. Right, so, yeah. well, two, some of the lines in it. One I particularly love is uh, uh, and watch the new glass cages spring up along the quay. You mm -hmm. know, uh -huh. 
there was a big campaign going on one time to save a place called Wood Quay. Mm-hmm. It's down on the Keys beside the River Liffey. And it's hugely architectural history, you know. I mean, it was a massive, it should never have been destroyed. And that glass cage, all of a sudden from nowhere, you know, he wrote this way before that was all knocked down. Years oh. and years before, and there you go, it was knocked down, up went the glass cages, the office blocks and stuff, and a whole that historical part of Dublin was gone. In, yeah. in, wiped out in a heartbeat, you know. Well, and that's happening right now. I mean, the cobblestone is like doing this one last line of defense against yeah. all of the other teardown yeah. things. I think yeah, everything else is gone, is gone it's right? absolutely dreadful, yeah, it really yeah. is. Yeah, and, Pete uh, used to sit all the time that we're... You know, um, things are torn down and fellas have all these ideas and projects that are supposed to be progress. And he's, he used to say a lot of the time, sure, it's not progress at all because no, it not. goes backwards, you know. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that would, Pete, Pete looked at the world differently, though, in fairness. He, yeah, he did, yeah. He, had, yeah. He, had, um, he was a great observer, was the word I would use to describe him. He was certainly a legend, but an observer. Oh, he was, and way before. He was, I, I always thought he was a prophet because he was... Any song he's written is way before his time, you know. Yeah, he was. I mean, I know that uh, Fields of Athenry is about, you know, Trevelyan, the the, famine, the famine, and uh, people who are. A guy was sent to uh, Van Diemen's Land for stealing a a belly, or just a head, a piece of corn for his his family. And that's and what that's all true. That's yeah. the Peter, yeah. Peter the Great. This is why I love. Um, I, honestly, I honestly think Roy caused the famine. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I love how uh, I came here. Born before the famine. <laughs> I caused it. <laughs> I love how I come here to sit down with you guys to talk about the Ramblers, and here we are talking about Pete. Like, oh yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. well, Pete was certainly a part of it. Like, oh really yeah, did, yeah. They recorded a few of his songs, and see, in those days, um, to my knowledge, anyway, like there was songwriters and there was singers. There was very few, like, the word singer-songwriter is everywhere now. Mm-hmm. But in those days, there was songwriters who wrote the songs and performers of bands and groups and singers who sang them, you know. Mm. Pete was a songwriter, okay. and people covered his songs, and, and you needed them. And the Ramblers certainly, um, uh, you know, paved the way for many of us, like, coming through, I, I mean, us, like, younger generation, uh, and not just in Ireland, around the world. Here we are in Nebraska, you know. Mm-hmm. That's on the strength of guys like, um, like the Ramblers doing that for us. But it's also a testament to guys like Pete who who wrote the oh, songs, yeah, but yeah. they they delivered yeah. them, you know, right, and, right. and they yeah. have it, you know, like I mean, you eight gold albums and the keys to three cities, yeah. the Ramblers have, you know, mm-hmm. without uh, without causing a stir and and um, being a huge part of Irish music and culture and, and history, you know. So yeah. that's what Sean and, and and the lads did and mm-hmm. are still doing, you know. Yeah, yeah we're still at it. Um, as Roy said, the keys to three cities. In America, and uh, you know the, the gold albums and life. To, we got, we got, the one thing that meant more to me than anything was we got we got the lifetime achievement award there, a couple of years, in 2019, which means it's your peers are you know mm-hmm. respecting that you've mm-hmm. been around for 50 years, you know. Yep. And even though you don't look for those things, but they, they come around. Somebody says, you know, we have an award. For you. How much did that cost you? Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to pay for that. <laughs> You'll figure it out when you get home. Yeah. Get and the people in Iowa too. We had a great festival there. They're, they're fantastic. They. Uh, they presented me with a plaque because we started the Iowa Festival so, with them yeah. 16 oh. years ago. Oh. Now that was this is a couple of years before the COVID. Uh, the year my wife passed away, uh-huh. they gave me a plaque for our contribution to Irish music, and we started the festival with them. I, I remember it well. It was 16 years ago, and I was in a field, and I think it was 700 people at it. And this year, a couple of weeks ago, it was 67,000. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah, you know, over the whole weekend, you know, right, right. and coming and going. And there's lots of state. The whole of Waterloo, the place, is that, mm-hmm. that was all taken over. So it was, but it was actually still 67,000 people. Actually. That town is not very big either. Yeah, and they presented me with a, a lovely award again mm-hmm. for uh, the 50th anniversary, you know. Aww. And they said to me, as long as this festival is going, you'll be here. And as long as you're here, the festival will go. So. You Aww. see, um, Sean is a very humble guy. And uh, you are. I'm great. Yeah, he always fobs <laughs> off the compliments and stuff. But uh, when we were down in Ireland, especially, there was a lot of bands on it and a lot of uh, respect being thrown around. And um, he had no choice but to take it. Like we, we went to walk off stage, and the the, the organizer of it walked on and, and gave him a plaque for fifty years in, in music. And then we go we go backstage to the green room, and there's uh, the High Kings and the Black Donnellys and the Screaming Orphans and stuff all coming over congratulating them as well, you know, which is, mm-hmm. and it's just respect, you know, and, and, and it should be, it should be that way. And, and um, I have to tell you that because he'll never tell you that, you know, <laughs> he's, he's too humble on it. But yeah, it's certainly right. I mean, the, the Ramblers certainly uh, have given more than their fair share of songs and they've certainly been huge con- contributors to the Great Irish Songbook, you know. What are some of the biggest lessons that you have learned either as a musician, like as part of your music, or just as a human, being a part of the Dublin City Ramblers for the past 50 years? And, well, the one thing I've learned is I've, I've seen so much around us, not just us, but all the other bands, and I think uh, three people with respect. And, you know, the, the old, there's an old saying, be, you know, be um, humble on your way up because you'll meet these people on your way down, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and it is true, you know? And I hate to see, so I, I always love to give young bands a chance. I mean, if there's a young kid in the audience, I'm playing with a band or something, any chance I could sing a song, which we don't, you don't always do, because you're not, you're not, some right. places you can't, you know, but right, right. what I do, I'd love to bring kids, and so it's a new generation starting, and uh, that's a lot of the things I learned, respect and loyalty, because there's a lot of, a, an awful lack of loyalty in the whole business, you know. Really? Oh, well, there can be, there can be, you know, and you only find these things out after when it's kind of too late, but then you start again, you know, so mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff, but, um, the likes of me sat in Ryan. We know each other a long, long time, but we never got to gig like this. And uh, I just found like he's going to write the book, the bestseller of all time. <laughs> I said, seriously, I said to him today, I said, well, we were talking about stories. I said, write all this down. I said, and he's a great friend of Phil Coulter, the famous Phil Coulter, uh-huh. the Dubliners. Everybody loves Roy, and they've all, seriously, much as, well, it's not you scratch my back, I scratch yours, but they've all taken to him, and I talked to him, and uh, the Iowa Festival, our lads couldn't do it, and Roy came along. But uh, so now it's, it's myself and him, and that's it. Like basically, you know, yeah. for the moment because it's going great. And everybody said today, well, you know, we feel sorry for your other lad that's in hospital. But they said, you know, um, two was fine. <laughs> we, yeah, it was still a very full sound. It was as full as you know we any of those other ones. Roy right, oh, said, yeah. right, just play. You know, Roy can play the bass on the guitar and the top. Mm-hmm. So you get mm-hmm. a good full sound. You know. Yeah, it, it did sound very full. It sounded yeah. like you had a stage full Brilliant. of people, and there were only two of you. So it yeah. works out great. So yeah. 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 I mean, he doesn't stop talking. So I, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I always think there's about six in the van. You know. <laughs> and I, I just wanted to see if you have any really special memories that you'd be willing to share throughout the 50 years. And I know I've I've asked um, I asked the town pants earlier today uh, on stage when we did the Q and A because they're retiring after 25 years. Oh, and, really? Yeah, mm-hmm. after this year, and they um, they weren't. It wasn't so much a specific memory or a moment, but it was more of like a specific vibe or an, an experience of feeling that they've yeah. encountered uh, was something that was memorable to them. Just so, out for you. Yeah, what really stands out to you over the past 50 years? Um, what was stand out to me was probably our tour of France. We toured France in 1981. 
oh. in uh, solidarity with the hunger strikers. Oh. You know, Bobby Sands and uh -huh. the, the 10 hunger strikers who were murdered. Yep. And uh, that really stood out with me because we uh, did a full month over there and uh, it made it just made me feel, I went, I went to most of the funerals up the north of Ireland in that time. It was mm -hmm. very tough and very dangerous, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, well, the, the pleasure of meeting all the families. And two years after the hunger strike, uh, the families wanted to have a reunion in the town hall in a place called Dundalk. And they asked especially for us to be, to perform for it. And we did. And it was one of the most emotional times. You know, all the families of the 10 hunger strikers were in the front two rows, you know. And it was, I never knew that. Oh yeah. It was magic. Yeah. And that was, I think it was 1982, because the hunger strike was 81. Yeah. And I think it was 82 or 83, a year or two after. But it was an absolute honor and privilege to be asked. And then we had a great time after with them. And, we didn't talk about the hunger strike. They didn't mm -hmm. want to. We didn't. Mm -hmm. weren't going for the truth and that, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, I, went, I met the, the the wives of the hunger strikers when I went up to. The, it was myself and three other guys went up to most of them, you know. And it was very like we asked, "Where's the graveyard?" And the RUC would tell us, uh, "Oh yeah, it's down that way." So we said, "Okay, we we'll drive down there, do a U-turn, and go back that way," because we knew it wasn't. And each time it happened, we went in where there was tons and tons of Union Jacks. They were setting oh. us up. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And then we, I remember standing at uh, Martin Horson's graveside and uh, we were right at the graveside mm. and all of a sudden we were kind of pushed back and the other side was pushed back and then I think six or eight guys came out in the balaclavas and <gasps> gave a, a gun, gun salute to them, you know, oh. and then went off and then the priest went to go make the speech at the graveside and a heli British helicopter came down literally to within Lord on the ceiling there to, so nobody could hear him, you know. But that all that time was dangerous, but it was a great honour to be part of that, you know. It really was, you know. And uh, then over in, uh, when we were in France, at the end of it, the girl, uh, Lucy Anne Barbier, that was her name, and she asked if she how would you fancy uh, performing a couple of songs before, uh, who am I talking about? Ray, Ray, Ray Charles. Uh, he, was, he was in town and he was, he was in a stadium that held 200,000 people. And we did a quick spot, a couple of songs, you know, but she had the pole for it, you know. That's so and, random, yeah. like they, an they Irish band. Three, of yeah, <laughs> yeah, they said, they said 300,000. Whoa. But, uh, that's what they said, somebody else it was 250 or whatever, uh -huh. but it was in around that anyway, you know. And it was a great honor. <laughs> and we didn't get, he was kind of just coming on after us. We, right. we, let, we let him come on, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but we did a gig and a couple of songs just, you know. Yeah. But it was an, an absolutely, I, I'll never forget it, it was electric, yeah. You got them all warmed up for Ray Charles. We did, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were rocking, yeah. Another, yeah. another time, we, we actually opened uh, Euro, Euro Disney. You know, the really? Di yeah. In, par in Paris? In Paris, yeah. Oh, my goodness. We were flown home. They flew us home from America. And uh, they had a big limo meeting us all at, at the airport. And they flew us back. And they gave us all. We all had a big, huge, big log cabin just outside the gates of Euro Disney. And we said, what are we doing here? None of us really knew because we were young and it was our drinking days. You know? <laughs> It was, it was only a Mickey Mouse gig, was it? <laughs> didn't, you, didn't Euro Disney open in like the nineties? It was, yeah, it was before that even, yeah, a little yeah. bit earlier, I think. And uh, so we were walking down, and the wives were there with us, and we were went over for a drink to a pub. And uh, I said to the lads, right, we were on at eight. We had done our sound check during the day, massive big place. And I said, uh, it was, and it was Patrick's Day, St. Patrick's Day. Oh, sure as God. And I said, uh, we'll meet you in the bar there at seven. And then we, you know, go across uh -huh. and do our gig. Quick point. And I was walking down the street, and the whole place was 
mob of people all over. Oh no! And I said, all, all these little Chinese guys, lovely fellas, and they were selling tickets. Do you want to uh-huh. buy? You want to buy? And I said, no, your grand, your grand. I said, yes, I want that. Would probably be empty over here. I wonder who's on tonight. And the wife just said, can I see your ticket? And it was us. <laughs> they were selling the black market tickets for, so the place was jammed. And on St Patrick's Day, I said, you know, you opened the show. Anybody here from Ireland? Nothing. <laughs> Jeez, anybody here from England? Nobody. And I looked down, I saw all because the Chinese are, are fantastic and uh-huh. they love Irish music. I said, anybody here from China? Yeah! Oh! Some, and they knew the words of every single song for, for the whole night. It was, oh. was rocking. You should tell her the story about, because I, I only found this out as well in, the, in, in recent times, in the last couple of years, about, you know, their, their big uh, hit, the, uh, Dublin, The Rare Old Times. Mm-hmm. And the 50th, album was called that as well but um, I said to Sean one time um, well, how, how did you end up getting that song from Pete from uh, Pete St. John and uh, he told me all about it but I, I couldn't believe the setting see Pete wasn't heard of in, in Ireland because he, he spent most of his life in America okay. and he was actually born beside me we were neighbours only, really? only he was 17 years older than me yeah but uh, yeah he was born just from here Chicago, to the park there away, oh yeah. my goodness and in a place called Chicago but he uh we were heading to Killarney Kerry for a gig and Patsy back in 76 and uh, Patsy said to me the guy the lead singer we had at the time just said so we just got a call from a fella called Pete St John and I said what's he want he's just written a song he wants to know he thinks it's a suit would be interested so he hadn't got on much going so we met him and he said he'd be in a place called Goffs and there was a show on there so he, he came out anyway we got there we pulled in and we no mobile phones or anything and he came out, he was waiting for us, and he sat on the hood, or the, we call it the bonnet, you call it the hood. Oh, but we just call it everything. He's of everything, I suppose, isn't it? But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> call it whatever you want, it's yeah, fine. <laughs> yeah. But he, uh, he sat in the hood of a car, uh-huh. singing Dublin in the Rare Times immediately. I mean, I got the shivers. Uh-huh. That's a fantastic song, you know. So he said, it's yours, I wrote it for you. So he gave it to us, and we went off and recorded it, and the rest is history, yeah. That is yeah. amazing. Just went listen gold, to- I think, within a month or two, yeah. Yeah. Just listening on the hood of a car. Yeah, that was cool, it. isn't it? It's just yeah. How did that? One of the biggest songs in Irish music. How, how did it first come to be? Yeah, because they were the first to record it. Mm-hmm. Um, sitting on the front of a, the front, used front instead of bonnet or hood, on the front of the car, with, with, a, with a guitar <laughs> and and uh, singing it to the boys, and then they went and recorded it. It's just and the funny thing was, Roy, we went off to our gig down in Kerry and forgot all about the kind of thing, you know. Oh, and you know, we had the words. He gave us the words and all, and Patsy had them in his pocket and. Uh-huh. Just forgot all about it, and somebody said the next day he rang me. Oh, jeez, I have the words of that song here. Who will we give it to? So I said, "Well, Dolphin Records. Mm-hmm. We've done a few records with, with Dolphin. Uh-huh. Brought it in. Oh, they said absolutely, yeah. And then everybody stole it, but it didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, oh well, we'll go yeah. with it. So, uh, Sean, Roy, thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with us. Oh, we pleasure. really appreciate. Congratulations on 50 years and Thanks, your 50-year tour. Yeah, it's and, always great to see you. Oh yeah. yeah. So thank you again yeah. so much for stopping by. I appreciate it.